Grace and peace, you're listening to United We Pray, taking racial struggles to the throne of grace. United We Pray is a ministry devoted to prayer about racial strife, especially between Christians. We want to help Christians think better about race in a way that is biblical and helpful, clear, and hopeful. You can learn more about our work at youwepray.com. That's U-W-E-P-R-A-Y.com, where you can find articles, old episodes, and more. I'm Austin Suter here with my co-host Isaac Adams, and unusually, we are here in front of an audience. We are. We're here together in the flesh. Usually we're not. That usually doesn't happen. Right. Which is great. But now we are here at a local church doing this for them. That's right. We're here with friends. They've kindly given up their evening to watch us uh, fumble through our first live show. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Buckle up. You have a scriptural re- uh, reflection to open us with. Yeah, I think we're g- tonight we're going to be talking about uh, repenting of racism, kind of basics along those lines. And I just want to open with Psalm 19 when uh, the psalmist asks, who can discern his errors, declare me it is innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And I, what I love about the psalmist there is he understands what Jeremiah was getting at, is that the heart is deceptive and wicked. And so it is possible for us to have major blind spots, and we can confess those and bring those to God who sees everything. Uh, so I think in terms of this conversation, you know, often uh, Christians, at least in the kind of evangelical streams we swim in, we're hearing about lust, we're hearing about finances, we're hearing about greed, but about partiality, this sin, uh, it becomes something that's either unmentionable or unforgivable. And I know we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, And so we want to ask the Lord just humbly to search us and know us and to forgive us of those blind spots. Uh, So can I do that? And then we'll hop in? Absolutely. All right, let's pray. Father, we do pray that you would declare us innocent of our hidden faults. Lord, we understand ourselves to have many of them. So, Father, we pray that you would give us grace to see them, to repent of them, to run from them, to run to Jesus. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, tonight we are talking— It's nice to hear amen echoed. Like It's usually us and our— Literally, prayer closets. Yeah. We're talking tonight about repenting of racism, as you mentioned. Yes. Totally non-controversial. As always. So, presumably, you're talking to the white folks here? (laughs) Why did you set me up that (laughs) Um. Yes. And I'm talking to everyone made in the image of God who has fallen short of the glory of God. So, I'm talking to everyone. And that... and. I think we should just define racism right up front because this is connected to that, right? Because often uh, we like definitions on the show uh, because often the race conversation is like talking in Babel. It is just we're trying to build this thing, church unity together. Uh, I know that we're building that in Babel, but just for the sake of analogy, uh, and we're talking past one another. We're speaking different languages using the same words, but we have different dictionaries. Uh, And so uh, we try to have this Bible be our dictionary as much as it can be. I think racism from James 2 would simply be ethnic partiality. Ethnic partiality. It is anyone can be racist toward anyone else. I think uh, where we've sadly and tragically seen this uh, in the weeks surrounding this tonight's conversation is racism against our Asian brothers and sisters 
uh, and neighbors. Uh, and Austin, even I'll say this because uh, I think transparency and honesty is good. Uh, I've been sad to see that from the hands of many black brothers and sisters. So them being racist toward Asians. I mean, just seeing horrific things. Uh, us, you know, the black community being racist, racist toward our Asian brothers and sisters. So, yeah, I'm not just talking to the white uh, brothers and sisters here. Um, I'm not not talking to them, uh, but I'm talking to all of us. Yeah. And I think that's a key point that, you know, if racism, as we're talking about it, is just ethnic partiality, who among us is above expressing partiality? I would say none of us. That's right. That's right. And that doesn't mean uh, it can't be expressed in systems or structures, and we can talk more about that. Uh, but it does mean uh, it can certainly be expressed in any of our hearts. And so whereas we might be quicker to say that we struggle with, you know, a particular financial sin or anger or anything like that, you don't often hear somebody just volunteer that they struggle with racism. <laughs> That's right. Like, hey, I'm a racist. Everyone's like, oh, you're a leper. Thank you. Um, yeah. Why is that? Well, I think, I mean, there's, I think there's a bunch of reasons, but I do think this sin uh, has kind of gone, I mean, not kind of, I mean, I think historically the cases, evangelicals have gotten compromised with this sin, and it just wasn't viewed that way for uh, the large part of our history. Uh, I'm talking about the American kind of evangelical church. Uh, it wasn't viewed that way. It, the one institution that stood of sh that should have stood up against this sin, uh, and it did in certain parts and branches, uh, but too many parts and branches uh, didn't decry this sin. They gave it moral sanction and said this was actually a part of the will of God. Uh, and that's why, you know, you and I, just a few decades ago, couldn't be married to our wives. I would probably be killed for being married to my wife. You would be thrown out, right, for being married to your wife. Uh, and so I think often uh, this sin is mystified because we don't talk about it. And so it's kind of treated as the unforgivable sin. It's so great. None of us want to be known for committing it uh, so that we just say, well, I, I can't be that. It's kind of like being rich. No one thinks of themselves as rich. Uh, most people, at least. It's like, it's the other guy who's rich. Well, it's all a bit relative, isn't it? And so we want to be honest about uh, who we are and yeah, what we think. Uh, and I think Christians have wrongly been discipled by the world in this, in that, uh, you know, if a public figure is uh, branded a racist, their career is over. Right. They lose everything. That's, that's it for them. Uh, you know, they've got to go on a rehabilitation tour afterwards if they want to do anything ever again. Right. We can sort of... I think defensively treat it that way in the church. Whereas whatever happened, racism is not the explanation because that would have implications we don't even want to think about. That's right. Um, and we just need to be a little bit more honest with ourselves as scripture is about us, right? Yes, I mean, I mean, the, the constant reflex we kind of often hear, I don't have a racist bone in my body. It's like, yeah, you got a racist organ. It's that heart of <laughs> yours that, in that chest that actually could be a lot more prejudiced than you maybe want to admit. And even if it's not, uh, that's kind of missing the point because, you know, we can think of, the, for example, the parable of the Good Samaritan, which I do think in some sense is a racialized parable. I understand not the modern idea of race, uh, but Jesus picked the whole reason the story is punch is because the Samaritan comes. And so a lot of us, we may not be, uh, you know, actively hurting that person on the side of the road, but some of us may very well be walking past that person. Mm. And God has something to say about that. The Levite, the priest, they're coming down from worship from Jerusalem to Jericho, uh, and they're walking past, and you can imagine the excuses they were making. Well, if he just would have followed the rules, I'm sure 
he wouldn't be in that. Well, you know, what will happen to me if I help him? Surely he had something uh, to do with his own fault. Surely if he just tried hard enough, he could pull his up, himself up by his own bootstraps. Uh, so, you know, we might not brand any of that kind of racism because it's not burning a cross or wearing a hood. Uh, but and yet it keeps us away from our neighbor and we compound their pain by walking past them. I think something else that happens when we're honest with ourselves or have scriptures mind about this is that not only is it sort of bad news in the sense that we all are capable of and perhaps guilty of racism, there's good news that comes with that, which is Jesus died for racists. Amen. Yes. I mean, if we treat if we treat this as the kind of unforgivable sin, what you are telling me is that Jesus' grace and his blood doesn't extend that far. And I think you're wrong and you don't believe in a big, gracious God. Uh, so Jesus forgives repentant racists. So I just want to read this section uh, from my book, uh, Speaking of Race. It comes out in January. Uh, but I kind of um, get at this question of why, um, why is this conversation so important about race and racism, or why we should be talking about it. And the last reason I give is this. Out of, I say we should be talking about it out of love for sinners and for their hope. If we don't talk about race matters, we will confuse people about what the sin of racism is and obscure the hope there is in Christ in regard to it, a hope people need now as much as ever. Consider for a moment that a brother or sister for whom racist is the worst thing they could be called. Now, maybe they react so poorly to the charge because it's unfair or untrue, but perhaps they'd react poorly to it because they've, have, they've skirted race issues for so long that they are unprepared for how to deal with them when confronted. Could it be they've just been left to define these matters on their own? Maybe they already have a definition of racist or prejudice, and in their mind, they're not it. But even Christians can harbor prejudices. It's possible for us to be complicit in systems that promote ethnic partiality. I'm not as interested in whether, these preju whether prejudices and complicity make one a racist as I am in honesty with ourselves. Do we really want to say it's not possible for us to harbor prejudices or be complicit in larger systems? The psalmist knew he had hidden faults. What about you? Going back to why this conversation is so hard, it's, so, it's hard because some of us may have prejudices we don't even realize we have. Have you ever had an ethnically prejudiced thought in your life, in your Christian life? I have. But here's the good news. The scandal of the gospel is that Christ forgives those who repent of the sin of racism. And to eschew talking about race is to hold back that great hope. In a striking comment, James Baldwin said that racism devours both its victim and its perpetrator. We should have pity on anyone who shows ethnic partiality. We should all hold out hope to them, for they might not have it otherwise. So, yeah, uh, amen. I think Jesus' blood, uh, he's glorified in forgiving races. And we can, you know, folks can go check out, uh, we did an episode with a former member of the KKK, uh, who is now a champion on these issues, named Tom, Tom Terrence. And I mean, his testimony is just wildly incredible. Yeah, it really is. You so if there's hope out. for Tom, there's hope for you. So I think something else that happens when we move uh, racism out of this category of sort of unforgivable and move it back with the other sins where in a lot of senses it belongs, mm. uh, it becomes something we can talk about and something we can deal with. Yep. So what does that look like? How do we deal with racism as we deal with every other sin in the Christian life? as you deal with every other sin in the Christian life. That's it? That's my answer. Okay, okay. all right. Man. No, I mean, like, I mean, let's 
well, let's think about this. So let's just talk about the prejudice because we're talking we've been talking about that. Uh, so you know, this is, we're talking to a young adults ministry. Wouldn't be surprised if some of you have accountability partners for uh, stuff on your computer. Uh, some of you may be talking about your money with people. Uh, and why is it that I'm willing to bet not most of you have accountability partners for like, hey, tell me how your prejudice has been. Just talk about this. Just tell me what you honestly think when you think of that community or when you see this on the news. How are you dealing with that? Uh, you know, we just went through maybe the most tumultuous election cycle, at least of many of our life. Of our life. Like, what are you really thinking about, quote unquote, the other side? And why do you think that? Uh, and, you know, if Jesus, do you think Jesus died for people on the other side? So we want some people asking us some questions we're uncomfortable with. I think of one brother who asked me to go for a walk with him. And through tears, he just told me, Isaac, I see this in my heart. I see, like, I'm not pushing against this. Like, I see it in my heart. I don't know what to do. But I think that brother was already doing better than he knew. Uh, and what I mean is he was confessing. And in confe- I mean, confession is where sin can die because we bring it out to the light. You know, and just another psalm that's so good about this. Uh, psalm 32, uh, which is, blessed are the forgiven, happy are the forgiven. When we were bearing up with the sin, we were rotting on the inside, just carrying this. But confession alone, I mean, what would it do for a church if this was just normal to confess? It's like, we're this church and like, we never struggle with this sin. It's just like, stop pretending. Uh, but hey, come here and you can actually be honest and you won't be canceled. You won't be thrown out uh, because there's actually a lot of sp- space at the foot of the cross. So just come and stand right next to me. I think that's so good. I um, I had another thought there, and then I got distracted thinking about editing the podcast. I know. Waiting for so their pastor. Live show. This is great. Yeah. Yeah, I would just encourage us to think. Okay, I remember what it is now. This is great. For those of us who are really excited about issues of race and reconciliation, and that has kind of become our thing. Like I think we know who we are, and we're sort of reading about this and we're thinking about this for the first time. And we are really concerned that other Christians, maybe who haven't been thinking about this, like they need to wake up and they need to start reading what we're reading and they need to sort of catch onto our program. Okay, if that's you, be a little bit more suspicious of yourself Mm. because you can present that conviction in a way that doesn't show a way forward. You can preach to somebody their sin without offering them the gospel. And let's please not do that. Amen. Let all of our criticisms be redemptive in nature, pointing people back to the cross, to forgiveness, to unity within the body. That's right. Yeah. I mean, the cage stage person is kind of like... What do you mean by cage stage? I mean, the part, the, the, when you get really excited about something you haven't realized that maybe other people aren't realizing, you act like you've realized it your whole life when you figured, about it, you figured out about it 15 minutes ago. Uh, so, you know, something I often say is like, if you're struggling with that kind of pride, Austin said it very warmly, pastorally, gently. Um, I'd like to remind you that there was a point in time in your life where on any given topic, you were a complete idiot. And people bore with you. And probably are on and something else. It was else. just like, yeah, hey, you're new at your job. You don't know what you're doing, but it's okay. And we want to be like that even on this issue. I know it comes at great cost. Uh, and the same is true for you and for me. We weren't always united. We pray with these you know, fun, fun little T-shirts. Like, we were figuring it out and saying dumb stuff and saying it publicly. Uh, but God was gracious to us. And so we want to be gracious with one another. We just want to turn down the temperature 
Uh, and because if we don't allow for like honest speech, it's just the worst. It's just like, let's go to church, prop on our masks. I don't mean COVID face masks. I mean our fake masks where we just pretend and hypocrisy will continue to run rife. And it's just, Satan loves that. Any final encouragements, brother, since we are talking to a church um, of how we can live with each other better, love each other better, especially on this issue? Yeah. Um, I would, first of all, I want to encourage folks uh, that they've given up their evening to come out and listen to us. Yeah, thank you. Um, my, my basic encouragement, though, and this is what I'm getting at, at my book, because my book is trying to answer the question, why is it so hard for Christians to talk about race and racism with each other? So, Got that it's hard to talk about it with your you know, secular coworker. You guys don't share any basic kind of worldview principles. But even the people, you know, we do share basic worldview principles with. Why is it so hard for us to talk about this with each other? And what I would encourage you toward is an honesty and a transparency. And if I can add one adjective to that, it would be a humble honesty and a humble transparency. First Peter 3, 8. Finally, all of you have un- be humble. I'm going to botch it, so let me just uh, turn over there. Um, And while I'm doing that, Austin, I like what you say. Uh, You say, be yourself uh, when you're kind of giving advice in this conversation. You say, be yourself. And then you say, be the most humble version of yourself. And I love that. So 1 Peter 3, 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. And that is just so important. So uh, I think, you know, we can kind of be like, to avoid conflict, we're just not going to deal with it. And we all know that, you know, under the rug, it just gets really, really dirty really fast. So I would encourage, you know, deal with it, but deal with it honestly and humbly. And you'd be surprised just by conversations what can happen. So I think a lot of us want to go out and, you know, march on Pennsylvania Avenue and do these amazing things when it comes to race and racism and justice. And I love that. But a lot of us can't even have a constructive conversation with that person we dread seeing at Thanksgiving, much less on Sunday morning. So I think if we could even do that little thing, uh, I think, you know, to quote the Bible, like angels would long to look into that. Well, I have nothing to add to that. I think we should close there. Let's pray about these things, lest we be hypocrites. Amen. We don't want to be that. So you open, I'll close. I'll start, yeah. Father, thank you so much for this time and for the gift of gathering with these brothers and sisters. Um, And Lord, we pray for all of us that you would spur us on to um, greater obedience Uh, greater unity as a people. Lord, make us humble enough to admit that we are sinners and that we are capable of things we don't even want to mention. And that when we are that humble and when we have that realization that we would be able to have more honest conversations with each other and with you. And Lord, we pray that you would use this time, use these conversations to reveal to us our hidden faults that we might turn from them and repent. Lord, help us to love our brothers and sisters better um, through this. And we ask for your help in all of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Father, we do think of Peter's words to folks who are walking as exiles. We so often feel like exiles in this world. In these pandemic times, it's so easy to feel dispersed. Father, it's so interesting that the threat you point to, though, is not the threat from without, but the threat from within in our churches, that we are... We have a proclivity to divide over things we don't need to divide over and to implode and to tear one another apart. Father, we pray that you would give us grace to see that it is possible to hold our beliefs and hold our tongues. 
We pray that you really would give us unity of mind and sympathy and brotherly love and a tender heart and a humble mind. Lord, we pray that those would be our marching orders as we enter into conversations. And we pray we would enter into conversations knowing that there is great grace for us in our Lord Jesus Christ. And that we can extend great grace to others. Father, we pray that we would see that the more we disagree with someone, the more gracious we should be with them. Father, we pray that you would help us to repent of roughness and callousness and fear and that we would fear you above everything else. Lord, we are weak in this regard. We're often wrong, but we pray to you because you are strong and you're always right. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. You can find out more about us at youwepray.com. Grace and peace. Pray.